0: Uh, let's pray. Father God, as we gather around and sit under your word this morning, may you uh, be working in each and every one of us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we uh, come and uh, tackle and, uh, and yeah, be confronted with what you have to say to us this morning, Lord, give us ears that are ready to hear, eyes ready to see, hearts ready to be shaped and moulded, and lives ready to be used for your glory and your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if we think for a moment about the world that we live in, our country, our society, how would you describe it today? Well, our world today, I think, is all about self It could be summarized by these phrases, you be you, be true to yourself, follow your heart, find yourself. Slogans of a culture known as expressive individualism, a wind blowing behind many movements in our society today, a wind of the world that we live in today, a wind even influencing parts of our church our world if we look around is also evil and ugly we look at the war in ukraine the shootings in the us even the johnny depp and amber heard trial evil and ugly we do live in a fallen world what about our aussie society there's evil and ugliness we're also not immune to the breeze of individualism. And it comes out uniquely for Aussies in these ways. Recreation, relaxing, convenience, comfortability, sounding innocent. But it's all about self. So what's the world like today? Evil, ugly, and all about me. Me. You see, that's what we were all like when left to ourselves. We reject God, we live for ourselves. But as we've been going through uh, our series this term, a disciple of Jesus has been saved by Jesus, united with Jesus. God's Spirit lives in you as God's Word grows you to be more like Jesus. You see, there's been a total and complete and radical change in your life from living like the world, from living in the flesh, living in the old ways. And now a disciple of Jesus worships Jesus in all of life. Not just on Sundays, not just some of life, not even in just most of life, all of life. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And we're going to look at this topic today a disciple of Jesus, worships Jesus in all of life. Looking again in the book of Romans, but today in Romans chapter 12 and those two quick verses that Ken read out before. But before we jump into Romans 12, let's get familiar again in the book of Romans. You see, the book of Romans is often split in half. Romans 1 to 11, the first half, Uh, The author, Paul, is outlining these core truths, core doctrines, core theology of the gospel. And then Romans 11 to 16, the second half, it's where Paul applies the gospel, showing what it looks like in practice and day-to-day living. And Romans chapter 1 begins where we began today, our world. Paul says in Romans 1, this is our world, it's against God, it's about self, it's evil and ugly. It's the same world that we live in today, the same wind blows. But it's amidst uh, this and our rejection of God, that God works his mercy, Romans chapter 3, we've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. And all the way from there to Romans 11, Paul, he's been spelling out God's mercy, God's love, God's hope of saving dead sinners to life in Jesus. In our passage today, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, very famous verses, they're a hinge between gospel in chapters 1 to 11 and living for Jesus, chapters 12 to 16. And we know this with the first word, therefore. We see this word anywhere. We look back, we look ahead, and we say they're linked. So today's verses, they link together Romans 1 to 11 and Romans 12 to 16, gospel and life. How does Jesus saving me have to do with my life? Well, let's have a look this morning. Verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Paul, he appeals to the readers. He urges them. He directs them. He entreats them. It's an instructional word with authority. And this appeal is based on the mercies of God. It's in plural form but it's not significant. That's just how uh, Hebrews wrote and spoke. But Paul here, he reaches all the way back from Romans 1 to 11, and he summarizes it with these five words by the mercies of God. And he's referring to the gospel message, the saving work of Jesus God, saving the people dead in their sins as Jesus died on the cross in their place that great work of salvation where we were made alive, righteous, holy, and justified. Not because we deserved it, but by the mercy of God. You see, Paul's readers in the first century once lived according to the world, but by the mercies of God, the grace of God, he saved them as they trusted in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And for each of us today, we once lived according to the world too. But by the mercies of God, by the grace of God, God saved us too, as we trusted in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. You see, living for Jesus, it's founded on fueled by, grounded in, based on the mercy of God. By his mercy, God worked a radical and complete change in our lives. Death to life, judgment to salvation, law to grace, darkness to light, kingdom of the world to kingdom of God, following Satan to following Jesus. And this new reality, it must lead an overwhelming change of behavior as we worship our new king, our new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we keep going this morning, Paul shows us what this looks like in summary with two outworkings of how the mercy of God, how the gospel, how the saving work of Jesus affects our day-to-day living for Jesus. And the first outworking is in the end of verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, Paul doesn't say to present your Sunday mornings or half your life or 10% of your possessions. He doesn't even say to present most of the week, most of your life, most of your stuff. Firstly, he says to present your bodies, all of you, your whole being. And he highlights it again using this phrase as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is everything. In the Old Testament, as a sacrifice is not half a bull, or leg of the lamb, or the feathers of a bird. It's all of it. And here it's your whole body, your whole being, your entire livelihood physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally, all of you. And second, note how Paul describes the sacrifice. It's not a dead sacrifice. It's not useless and lifeless It's not an atoning or saving sacrifice either. We don't live and do stuff to earn salvation. It's already been won in Jesus. Here it's a living sacrifice, showing our new reality. We're spiritually alive now. There's no condemnation now. God's mercy has made us alive. And it's here showing also the type Of sacrifice that God wants useful and effective in all of life a living sacrifice third look at who this is directed to it's a presentation holy and acceptable to God holy to God meaning set apart to God different from the world and acceptable to God pleasing to him and offering to fit who God is and what God's done for you in Jesus. In other words, we're willing servants of Jesus. We're people at the Lord Jesus' is bidding. We want to live in a way that pleases Him, that's about His plan, His mission, His purposes, His value and lifestyle. And Paul finishes this verse by saying, This is your spiritual worship. This is the way you worship Jesus. This is how you make Jesus big in your life. It's not just about singing to Jesus or turning up a church or doing some good things. It's about presenting your whole beings and bodies to God. The word worship in its truest meaning is not about singing. It's not a genre of music. It's about who or what you find most worth in, who or what you value the most, who or what you live for, who or what extends to all your life. You see, you can worship your work. You can worship the footy. You can worship your family. You can worship money or success, or you worship Jesus. And the word spiritual here, it's a complex Greek word, it's used in Greek philosophy, it can mean spiritual, but the meaning is probably more in the way of rational, reasonable, proper, and in this phrase, Paul saying, this is the right worship, this is the appropriate worship response to God's mercy, presenting your whole beings to God, serving him with all your life, all aspects, all parts, everything. This is the proper way to worship Jesus. Now as we come to the second outworking of the mercy of God in our lives, he says in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul begins here with what not to do, saying no, not being conformed to the world. Remember we said in the beginning, the world around us, it's selfish, evil and ugly. And the word here for world, the word in Greek is actually age. And the Bible talks about two different ages. This age, the one that's fallen in sin, rejecting God, marred by death, and will one day be brought to an end. And then there's the age to come, the eternal age, the new creation, the age that's perfect and without sin or death. And it's natural for us in this age, this passing sinful and fallen age, to follow this age, to conform to it, to live according to this age, rather than to God and the age to come. John Calvin says that our nature is a perpetual factory of idols. All we could do was sin, follow the world, and worship its idols. But Paul says here, now that you've tasted mercy, God's mercy, this age, this Romans 1 age, this age of today, this passing age that will one day end marked by evil, ugliness, and selfishness. Paul says, don't follow it. Don't align with it. Don't live that way. Don't conform. But instead, Paul says, be transformed. It's passive. Let your mind be renewed by the mercy of God. Remember, the mercy of God instituted a radical and complete change of management. We no longer belong to this age, to this world. We belong to God. And it all happened as Jesus died for our sins and rose again in victory. And though we still live, In this old age, this passing age, this world, God's mercy compels us to live differently. Not just a bit different, but in a radical, a complete change. To live completely and wholly for God to be transformed. And he says this begins with the renewal of the mind. The renewal of our mind informing our emotions and affections and resulting in real, practical life change. I think sometimes, whether for ourselves or thinking about others, we think we just need to add a bit of God into our lives, keep our lives the same, but just add a bit of Jesus somewhere. We compare ourselves to our non-believing friends and we say, I'm just like him or her, but I have Jesus, I'm just that little bit different. Where here, Romans 12, it seems to suggest that we're to be transformed, completely changed, looking radically different from someone living without God. Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then Paul finishes here with the result of this that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, we'd be so changed, so transformed, so under new management, so aligned with God that we would know God's will. We'd have the wisdom to live for God. We'd see what God sees as good, acceptable and perfect, which is, if you think about before, a complete opposite, a complete change of where we were at before we experienced the mercy of God. Remember Romans 1, once we were evil and rejecting God, and now we know good and we're wise to live for God, transformed by God's mercy and grace. So today's topic is a disciple of Jesus worships Jesus in all of life. And these two verses in Romans 12 show this, that worshiping Jesus is based on God's mercy. And worshiping Jesus presents the whole self as a living sacrifice and is transformed by the renewal of their mind, a radical and complete change to live for God. And this morning, as we consider a disciple worshiping Jesus in all of life, I think there's two applications, two things from God's word for us today. First application, remember God's mercy. Remember God's mercy. Let's let God's mercy be the fuel, the foundation, the basis, the motive, the driver to worship Jesus in all of life. God's mercy, as we've heard this morning, sung together this morning, demonstrated on the cross of Calvary as Jesus died, and He took the punishment for sin. He took it in our place. That me and you, that we fallen, sinful rejectors of God who deserve nothing but death, that we might live. That in Christ Jesus alone our hope is found. I think there's a worrying trend in our churches today where God's mercy isn't spoken about, either it's assumed, ignored, or even forgotten sermons and services where, God's work, where God is spoken about, but God's mercy is never the focus. Songs that are all about how we respond to God or who God is, but never tells us about what God has done for us in Jesus. Books, articles that are trying to motivate believers, but doing this with something other than the mercy of God and this results in believers putting the wrong fuel in their hearts and minds, forgetting God's mercy and trying to worship Jesus based on some other fuel. So let me ask you this morning, what spiritual fuel are you putting into your life? What spiritual fuel are you putting into your life? Paul says, remember God's mercy. Let your worship of Jesus be fueled, founded, and based on the mercy of God. And how do we do this? Well, it's quite simple, actually. We open and read our Bibles. God's mercy features from beginning to end. We also meet with other believers church community groups meeting around god's word remembering god's mercy together we sing together uniting in one voice as we declare god's mercy to god and one another we reflect on god's mercy whether it's a giving thanks to god every morning when you wake up or through the day, at the end of the day, keeping the cross of Jesus front and centre. Our first application, remember God's mercy seen at the cross of Jesus. Second application is to present yourself. Present yourself. Choose to choose to be transformed to offer your whole life and being to God, to let that complete and radical change God has worked in you through Jesus to touch every aspect, every thought, every action, every habit, every sphere, every relationship, all of your life. It's like how that hymn goes, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my silver and my gold. Take my will and make it thine. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Is the gospel doing that to you today? Or are there parts of your life, whether consciously or subconsciously, you haven't presented to God yet, or you're unwilling to present to God? Take any part of your life, your behavior at work, how you treat your family, how you talk to people or about people. Think about a particular stress in your life. Is that part of your life? christian or is it not is it conforming with god or is it not is it conforming to the world is it being transformed by the gospel or is it not is it in worship of jesus or is it not and how might you evaluate this Or maybe it's time for a self-review, to take an honest look at yourself, asking yourself, what parts of my life have I not presented to Jesus in worship? Or maybe it's time to talk to someone that you trust in your life, someone you respect, and ask them to speak into your life and identify where you might be conforming To this passing age this world instead of being transformed by the mercy of god you might not believe this but i was a punk of a kid when i was growing up i've been calling our puppy george a punk he's very cheeky he made me do this uh, because he bit me Uh, that's another story but when i was young i was a punk of a kid i was like that too i was cheeky Immature, full of myself, I had a lot to work on and grow in. And I probably still have a lot to work on and grow in today. But I'm so thankful for having a trusted person walking with me along the way, speaking into my life, helping me not to conform to this world and to be transformed by the mercy of God. And how might we present our lives to God. Well Paul suggests here in these verses to allow your mind to be transformed by the gospel. There's a lot of talk today uh, in pop psychology about mind, heart and behavior whether emotions inform the mind or behavior comes first and the rest follows. But here God says it starts with the mind. A mind transformed and renewed by the mercy of God. A mind that's fixed on the mercy of God, remembering God's mercy. And this in turn affects your beings, your bodies, your whole lives. Which then leads to transformation in your actions, your behaviours, your relationships, how you live out your whole life. See, God wants you to present yourself to say, here I am, God, I'm yours. Transform me, work in me to worship Jesus in all of my life. As we finish off this morning, some of you may have heard of Charles Thomas Studd or C.T. Studd. He was born in 1860 in, in England, He's a, he was an English cricketer, he became a Christian, and he became a missionary to China. C.T. Studd is most famous for this quote, if, Christ, if Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. C.T. Studd, became a Christian at the age of 18. And actually, if you read his testimony, he struggled from the start. He backslided for six years after his conversion. He described at the time, instead of going and telling others of the love of Christ, I was selfish and kept the knowledge to myself. The result was that gradually my love for God began to grow cold and the love of the world began to come in. It seems only after those six years of wandering, C.T. Studd had this Romans 12 experience, confronted afresh by the mercy of God in Jesus. And then he presented his whole life to God, saying these words to sum it up. If Christ Jesus is God and died for me, remembering God's mercy. Then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him presenting your whole selves to god the disciple of jesus worships jesus in all of life let's pray that we live to this end let's pray father god Help us to remember your mercy poured out for us in Jesus. And Lord, help us to respond appropriately by giving our life and all to worshipping Jesus and living for him alone in all our lives. Give us wisdom, Lord, as we consider how we worship Jesus. Help us to present all parts of our lives to him, even the deepest and darkest parts of our lives. Help us, Lord, to give it all to Jesus and to allow ourselves to be transformed by your mercy that saves us in Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.